and welcome back to Scarves Around the Funnel, the podcast dedicated to Heart and Midlothian, who are shite. <laughs> That's all I've got, Mark. That's all I've got. You want me to add to that? I don't know if we need to. And end show. Okay, no. thank you for joining us this week. <laughs> um, so, so on the BBC Sport website, the BBC Scotland Sport, Hearts can produce one more big performance for Cup Final. One more? Craig, well, <laughs> that was that was a Craig Levine quote. The word more for me. Is when, exactly. When, when, when were the others? Um, s- certainly not for quite a while, anyway. Um, maybe, maybe, maybe jumping back to pre scarves around the funnel existing. Um... You know what? It's, it, it's all good because we, we play Aberdeen this week. We've got a great record at Petaudry of late um, because the last five times there we've scored a total of no goals. Zero. <laughs> I'm, not, I'm not going. I can't go. Because you've got a wedding? You normally <laughs> no. have a wedding when we play Aberdeen. I know. I normally do. Um, I have an, a prior engagement which... I arranged. That is utter bullshit. I, you arranged it when you saw how no, poor hearts no. were. You're like, I ain't doing that on a Friday night. I trying was... to get out out of Edinburgh over the bridge at rush hour on a Friday. No, I'm busy that day. What have you got? I, I just, I must have something. How, 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 how many do you think we'll take up? How many do you think we'll take up? Oh, at it's, least it's three. 12. It's three. Is <laughs> is 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 two fifty three hundred pushing it for a live TV game Friday night. The way we are playing doesn't mean anything. But I I would be impressed. My my I doff my cap to those who end up going to that game because um I I would have actually I still get annoyed not going. I don't know if you were like this. I still don't like missing games even though we are shy. Of course, of course. Um, and I, I was annoyed because I was arranging a dinner for um someone who left my day job after sixteen years and I arranged the whole thing and. A few people wanted it to be on a Saturday, and this was pre this was pre post split fixtures. But I made sure it was a Friday because I'm like, okay, we don't get many Fridays. What are the chances I pick a Friday that we have a Friday game? Surely, so I convinced people it should be a Friday and tried to sell it somehow. So I got people to to say, well, yeah, we'll do a Friday, Friday evening, even though people are working earlier in the day. And then, lo and behold, the fixtures come out, and it's that Friday. Right. Okay. That's your story and you're sticking to it. Here's what really happened. The fixtures <laughs> came out. Uh, the TV picks Aberdeen against Hearts Friday night. You went to your colleague who'd been there for 16 years and said, look, <laughs> I think it's probably time you left this company. And you know what? If you do, I will arrange your leaving due for you on a Friday night when Aberdeen play Hearts. How about that? And your colleague's like, done. Rumbled. Rumbled. Um Anyway, we've gone off tangent already, which is impressive even by our standards. <laughs> um, we will talk about things generally. Hearts lost to Kilmarnock last weekend, but we're not going to get into any sort of depth about the game because, to be honest, it's boring to listen to because it's boring to talk about because we're having the same conversation most weeks. Hearts played crap. Why did they play crap? Couldn't create anything. Blah, blah, blah. So, we'll so talk how, how are you going to cheat us up? How, how, what are we going to oh, do today oh, God, to make it fun and games? I wouldn't say fun and games. So first of all, we're going to talk about the general feeling at the club. So there's been a few messages to us on the Twitter account. We're going to talk through some of them to just have a talk about where hearts are going, why things are so bad, how does it compare to other seasons, are hearts fans reasonable, unreasonable, etc. A bit more lighthearted, we're going to talk about then and now, our really 
badly um, arranged homework where we just kind of waffled for about five minutes and couldn't really come up with a specific question. But thankfully, um, listeners and Twitter contributors have managed to come up with some good stories about Hearts players and ex-coaches, um, etc., in the present day uh, from the past. So again, I'm, I'm waffling already just talking about it. So we will talk about that. And will we look ahead to Aberdeen? Do you want to? We have. We have. Okay. So our, previews, our previews <laughs> done. We don't need to do that. Okay. Excellent. So first up, um, Hearts lost to Kilmarnock, and we're not going to go into that. So let's have a look at some messages we've got and see, okay. see where it goes, Mark. See where it goes. So um, Anne Waddle, who's a regular listener and contributor, messaged, um, just saying, question for you guys. Can you honestly see where we are going to get goals from? Ticket got for the final, but seriously fear a humping unless we start taking chances. Two shots on target against Kilmarnock, simply not good enough. And I mean, Anne's saying that about um, taking chances. I mean, I would say that there's a problem, which she mentions about the, the shots on target, there's a problem creating chances as well, because it looks like, since we last on air, Mark, it looks like Naismith is very unlikely to make the final. And um, I was hoping this was a bit of smoke and mirrors, but having asked a few people, they're saying, no, it's pretty accurate, the reporting. It's almost definite he will not be involved. That's a blow. That is a big blow for us in terms of trying to get goals at Hamden later this month. Without a doubt. Uh, but there is a silver lining because uh, reading into the quotes from Craig Levine, who said uh, if he was going to go back to his parent club at the end of the season and probably not going to be here next season, we would probably have rushed him in. Um, basically, it's not he's not our property. And if we damage him, then who cares as long as we get something out of the cup final. But the silver lining is the probability of a, a Hearts announcement. <laughs> the timing of that announcement will be rather interesting um, if Stephen Naismith does sign a permanent deal. Uh, because if he is ours next season and you don't want to take a risk because it could make the injury more serious or it could have a knock-on effect. So I, I, I get that. I understand that. The second thing about this, I was thinking about this the other day. Uche. Now, Uche is a get-out clause for us. He's a punt the ball up long. Um, hopefully, it sticks. But he, it's easy to try and find Uche because he's six foot something, and he's a target man. But I think Uche is a better option for us when we're likely to have more of the ball. I'm not sure Uche is a best option for Hearts when we're likely to probably have no more than 35% of the ball because he's not someone that's going to track back. He's not someone that's going to start the defending from the front. So I thought to myself, are, are Hearts better in their game plan without him against Celtic? But then I thought, you know what? He, he is our best chance of scoring goals because if we don't have him, what's the alternative? With no Naismith, with no Uche if he isn't to play. We spoke about McLean as a and maybe a last 20-minute sub for Uche, or sorry, to play alongside Uche. Uh, Whiten, for now, isn't the answer. Vanacek might be involved against Aberdeen this weekend. You know what? Who thought Divock Origi would be a hero? Who thought in nine months' time there'll be lots of little Divocks running around Liverpool because of all the sex that happened after the game against Anfield? What are we going to call our kid? Well, Divock. has to be Divock or Jorginho. 
So maybe in nine months after the Scottish Cup final, there'll be lots of little Davids or Davids running around after our Divock Origi scores the winning goal in the Cup Make me stop here. Where's this going? Mark, it's not really going to stand out if someone says, oh, my, you know, 10 years from now, oh, my, my 10-year-old, 9-year-old's called David. Oh, is that after David Vanacek? <laughs> it, it doesn't really jump out to you like a Divock uh, does. All right, all right, all right. Okay. I'm, I'm, just, I'm, just, I'm just saying, Naismith, yeah, silver lining, but we could do with him. Martino Boom Boom um, on Twitter says, once the cup final is over, Levine needs to leave. Can't sugarcoat it any longer. Utter dross. Um, Which is added to by New Jersey Scotsman, who says, the easiest route imaginable to the Scottish Cup final shouldn't distract from what has been a disastrous season. Injuries haven't helped, but every game is a war of attrition where we hope to fluke a goal. No fighter quality and zero entertainment. I think that's part of the part of the issue. Sometimes I've watched not just Hearts but other teams, and you can see what teams are trying to do, and maybe it just isn't coming off. But what he's saying there, every game being a war of attrition, and we just hope to fluke a goal. There's been too many games I feel this season, certainly in the second half of the season, where I still, after sitting for ninety minutes watching the game, I still can't work out what our game plan to actually get a goal is, and. That lack of ideas is very worrying for who is for a manager who's very experienced, you know, for, for, at international level, at club level in Scotland and England. He's got so many years um, in his belt. He's got a heap of staff with him, a lot of highly regarded coaches. But I still can't see what our game plan is, and we've said it so many times. <laughs> I don't know what I can add to that, honestly. You can't. I'll move on. Um, interestingly... Um, Lawrence Brody, who obviously used to work for Hearts and and still involved with uh, Big Hearts, uh, messaged back to one of your tweets after the Camarda game saying, Mate, we saw some shite, but given the backdrop, you understood it. There are now zero excuses. Zero. The changes required are significant. And um, on the back of that, I'm going to go off on a a Mark Donaldson... Oh, I'm looking forward um, to this. Here we go. A Mark Donaldson-sized sort of... uh, Not a rant, but... We're going to go on to some of the messages, which will probably be symptomatic of some of the things I'm going to go through here. But generations of Hearts fans, different generations of Hearts fans have very different feelings about what the club should do and what success is and what the expectations should be. I mean, you look at mid-60s to early 80s, you know, Hearts were, what, at best mid-table, got relegated for the first time 77. They were a yo-yo club at best. There was a period of average crowds falling below 6,000. It was a very difficult time. So a lot of fans who've seen that have that approach to well, you know, this you've, you haven't seen anything. This is this isn't bad. This isn't bad at all. And then you've got like maybe like yourself, Mark, the kind of mi- the mid eighties, where Hearts were seen as a bit of a big club, but there was still a stiff competition. Not just Rangers and Celtic, but they had the Aberdeens and the Dundee United, who so were very successful. So trophies weren't expected. Heartache was highly likely, but there was always that feeling that Hearts were a club on the cusp of being a real force not like the 70s where it was just a, a, a dismal time you've got the 90s it really depends early 90s things dip for a spell especially pre jeffries the highs of the mid to late 80s were still rippling around a little bit but current expectations were much lower and then you've got the late 90s onwards and it becomes a bit tricky when it comes to how 
we, and that's myself included, view Hearts as a club because I am a mid to late 90s Hearts fan. Um, fortunately, my first, games, my first game was in 97. So when I first started going to games, it was 97, 98. My dad said, you lucky bastard, I've been waiting for almost four decades and first, first season you rock up and you see a cup. So last 20 years or so, we've got, what, three Scottish Cups, 21 seasons or so. I've been going to games. Eight of them we've been in the top three. I, look, I, looked, at the, I looked at some stats here. 15 of the 22 seasons, if we include this one, the average attendance, as I've seen, have been over 14,000. Only below 12 once, and that was only by, by about 40. And over that period, um, outside Old Firm, we've definitely been the most successful. We've had the biggest crowds. I guess the only other category, realistically, you've got in terms of age, you've got those who saw the 50s and 60s, but they can often be the wisest, I think. They've seen Hearts win the league. They know they can win the league. Um, they've seen the depths of despair when we were frequently a second-tier side. They've seen financial problems, 70s, 80s, 90s, post-Romanov. They've seen us brilliant. They've seen us terrible. They've seen us when we've won every domestic trophy. They've seen us go almost four decades without one. But comparisons aren't always good because you can't compare the club now to the way it was in the 50s. You can't compare it to the way it was in the 70s and 80s. Or certainly the kind of post-Romanov era, we now have financial stability. We have solid foundations. We have resources that put us far and away the fourth biggest spenders when it comes to playing staff. There's money coming in. There are healthy, healthy crowds. And I think we should be better. So there's an interesting mix here because... I think early in the Levine era, I was very much of the, look guys, we aren't in the the times of having Fisas and Jankowskis and Skatchel. This isn't that, we can't expect to blow teams away. That's not what Hearts can expect. You know, we, we are a, a decent side with a big budget in Scottish football, but we aren't world beaters. We're not that dominant force now. And then you obviously you have now fans who've seen it being really bad saying, this is this is nothing, you know, just and I get a bit frustrated at that side because just because things were terrible before doesn't mean that we should accept mediocrity now. And I think the generation game here with arts fans is coming more and more to the forefront of, of arguments and I guess divides in the fans simply because we're in this point where we're in a cup final. Everyone's like, We don't even win the cup very often, we've won it eight times. And others saying but it's been easy to get there. So, at the moment, I think part of the divide with the, with the fan base is age, and I don't mean age because of old people are grumpy and young people or whatever, just because of what people have seen in the past. And I think we're, we're, we're not too far apart in terms of you were mid-80s when you first started going, so you, it wasn't terrible, but you had some heartache. Um, you didn't have to wait three, four decades, and you didn't see us constantly playing in the second tier, thankfully. So I think maybe our expectations are similar, but that doesn't go for all Hearts fans. That was a Donaldson-esque diatribe, which fine. <laughs> I, I, I am going. You've just taken the role of me. Yep. I am going to take the role of you. Okay. I'm going to give you one sentence that sums <laughs> up everything that you have just said. Ready? Yes. Different fans from different generations have different expectations. Yep. And it's true. Whatever you start, whether it was the 80s, 90s, 2000s, or whatever, mm-hmm. it's like saying to someone, who's the best player ever in the world? Well, for a start, that depends on who you've seen. 
Oh, how good was Pelly? You're 18 years old. You thought his name was Pete when you saw it signed on a jersey, not Pelly. You don't know who he is. To the extent of how can you compare something that happened in the 60s and 70s if you were born in 2000? Well, you, you watch TV, you read about things, you ask your parents, you ask your grandparents or whatever. But the only real way to know and to be able to compare like for like, it's like comparing a goalkeeper with a striker when it comes to the player of the year. It's difficult to do. It's to actually have been there and to see it. So the gist of your argument is those that have come late to this and are used to more successful times don't really know how to handle things when they go pear-shaped. I think that to generalise what you just said, I think modern day, there's this immediacy for everyone, for all, whether you're, you're the generation of, of my age, the older ones or the younger ones. We used to have to wait for our Sunday newspaper to find out what, <laughs> not what happened on the Saturday, but to, to get a match report. Then, obviously, we had our, if we were lucky, we lived in a big city or the surrounding areas. We had the pink newspaper or the green final up in Aberdeen or, or wherever. So th there wasn't the same immediacy. That, that was immediate back then. That was like, what, two hours after the final whistle? You'd get to read about it. It was great. Now, look at the, Sun the Sunday Herald was the first newspaper to say, you know what, we can't be a newspaper anymore. Because quite simply, people get their news instantaneously. People watch games. How many people watched that Liverpool game yesterday without a mobile device near them? There probably wasn't too many. And it, it was like watching the Masters golf. It was so refreshing because they banned mobile phones. It was so refreshing to see everybody totally focused on what they were watching. Now, I watched the first half yesterday without a mobile phone or without a device or anything. I didn't even bother with social media, um, obviously with my friends uh, messaging. I just thought, I'm just going to watch this. And the second half, I had it near me and I was guilty a couple of times. And I missed things because everything's instantaneously. We want to tell people what we've just seen and nobody gives a toss about what we're about to tell people on social media. The way the world is all, it's, it's immediacy and it's, it's frustrating in that if things don't go well, it's just change. I'll give you the fantasy football analogy, which I've used two or three times this season. You hold a player for two weeks who you've brought in because he's done well, then you get rid of him because he's not done well in the two or three weeks that you've had him because you brought him in when he was doing well. So it's just patience. And going back to the whole take that patience song that we had a few weeks ago when name a song that sums up heart season. I'd probably change that now because everybody's patience has run out. <laughs> but it, it's so easy these days. If things aren't working, change. Just just change. Fantasy football. Things haven't been working for a couple of weeks. Change. There is no patience, whether it's fantasy football, whether it's supporting. You are a supporter of a football club. You are a fan of a football club. It's your football club. You'll support them through good, bad and indifferent spells. Whether they win a cup final, whether they lose a cup final, whether they don't get to a cup final, whether they're top of the league, bottom of the league, relegated, promoted, whatever. They are your team. You have to have patience with them. But right now, patience is being tested so much by what we are seeing. But it's one thing saying just have patience. It's another thing being able to recognize when you need change. And right now, for me, despite all the oh, but, but, but that I have given and some others have given as well, I have run out of excuses, Laurie, and I think change is required.
another side of it here from since 1960 on twitter who messages saying in my 50 plus years as a jambo there have been more downs than ups so what's new about the current situation understand frustration but this is only the eighth scottish cup final in my lifetime so can we be supportive um in the build-up and criticize afterwards if needed craig levine is a real jambo and gets my support as long as he's manager but if he goes back up to a uh, football director in future would Neil McCann not bring style of football fans want? Talks well about football and was a very exciting player for us. Ditto, Robbo. Can, uh, can I just hold you, hold you yep. there with that Neil McCann thing? Yep. I got a message from a friend of mine, Ian Lenny and Pennycook. And he's like, Neil McCann, question mark? <laughs> so I, I wrote back saying, sorry, what do you mean? He goes, well, it was a talk in the Boozers and, and at Tynecastle today. This was at the Kilmarnock game. It's the first I'd heard of it. And that's the second person that's mentioned Neil McCann. I don't know if there's anything to it, um, if he's the type of person that we would need to, not to, not to steady the ship, but to improve us, it didn't exactly work from at Dundee. Did he do his learning there? Is that the first time you've heard Neil McCann mentioned with a heart's job with that tweet? Not with that tweet, but the, at the weekend, it seemed to be doing the rounds, although I don't know if it originated from anywhere other than kickback, to be honest. Um but I've seen his name mentioned, but not through any sources that I would say would convince me that there's any um, any substance to it. But it would be a weird one because there's nothing... Neil McCann's not... Let's be honest, Neil McCann was a great footballer and a terrific player for Hearts, but that doesn't mean anything when it comes to management. And he's not done anything as a manager that would suggest he should be taking the Hearts job or getting the Hearts job. Obviously, there's a good chance he would take it, I think, if he was offered it, but... It would be a strange, a strange one. It, w- it would be. We, we've said on this podcast right since the start, we'll identify issues where they exist, but we will try and solve problems and find solutions. Total left field. I don't even know if it's been mentioned yet. Why don't we go for Stevie Clark? I think Stevie Clark, if he doesn't get this Fulham job, which he's been touted for, but uh, Scott Parker's come in and done well there. I think Fulham would be the kind of job that he's looking at. If he doesn't get that, I don't know if he'll stay at Kilmarnock. He's only going to go if there's a job that, that interests him. If we go for Stevie Clark, there's no doubt he would improve us. Um, I think that would mean he'd have to have complete autonomy. I don't think he'd work for a director of football. No. But if, if, if he did come in, would that help his cause to get a job down in England, a, a better job? than staying at Kilmarnock and having another third or fourth place season where he might get to a, a cup final at best. If he was to come in and improve hearts and do what Derek McInnes has done at Aberdeen, make us top three at least and do well in a cup, would that... This is the way that he's got to be thinking if he's approached. Would a move to hearts, is it just a sideways move? Because right now... I wouldn't even argue it's a sideways move for Stevie Clark. I'd say it's a backwards move with, with with where the two teams are. Hearts are a bigger club, of course, I get that. But right now, Kilmarnock are a better organised and run football team, and that's why they're above us in the table. I suppose, I, I mean, without, this is just an assumption for me, this isn't based on any um, inside know-how, but um, inside knowledge, rather. But, I mean, Steve Clark, I don't think, would come to Hearts. I don't see why. I think his stock's higher than that just now that you would want to he would want to capitalize on that if he was going to move and take a bigger job than hearts but it would be a big statement of intent and i think the fans would appreciate even the 
I guess, the attempt, if they knew that Hearts had at least tried that, I said, why not? Let's convince them because you'll get it. But I actually don't know what off the top of my head what the, the Killy budget is this season, but I, I'm pretty certain it's less than half of Hearts. Yeah, um, Hearts will be Hearts will be significantly. It'll bigger. be at least at least double Kamarnik's, and I think on paper Hearts have got a better squad than Kamarnik in terms of ability of players. Um, but they're as you say, they're nowhere near as well organised, and they're not they've not got the same um, tactical, uh, I, I guess, ability uh, because the manager just frankly isn't as good at the moment. Anyway, you know whether that will change in the future, I don't know. But right now, Craig Levine is not as good a manager as Steve Clark. And Steve Clark is getting more out of less, more from less than Craig Levine is getting out of, you know, a much bigger budget and I think a better quality of player. So maybe they could go for that. And um, interestingly, since 1960, I mean, we've had this. He goes on because just to to carry on a little bit, he said, um, just looked up the league stats for the 2011-2012 team. Um, play 38, won 15, drawn seven, lost 16, um, points 52. Current team played 36. Uh, 115, drawn 6, lost 15, points 51. So just a point behind. Uh, even the 2012 Cup team lost 5-0 to Celtic on the 13th of May. So 2019 could still equal them. What's the difference? And we have mentioned this before, but I thought I'd I'd mention it again because 19, since 1960 brought it up. You know, Paolo Sergi was, was in his first season in Scottish football. He took over someone else's team. His first season in a new country, didn't speak that as his main language, couldn't sign any players, players weren't getting paid. It was a backdrop of a lot of uncertainty off the park. Um, and let's not say that we don't know that Pablo Sergio may well have been a terrible Hearts manager after that, because to be honest, if he was there for season two, he had a whole lot less to work with even compared to his first season. So he might well have been a terrible Hearts manager, but for less than one season to do what he did... I think is still impressive. And league-wise, yeah, we we weren't great. We were below maybe what we should have done considering our budget that season as well. But I think it's hard to compare that to the stability and I guess the fact that Craig Levine is in his second year now and is, he will know the club and the players fairly well because he was behind the scenes. I think it's hard to compare the two. And my other thing is, I think Paolo Sergio did have a plan. He was trying to get more football out of a team that were very direct under Jim Jeffries. And he had developed the likes of Ian Black as a footballer. He had got the Hearts team playing some better football on the deck. It didn't always work because they hadn't been accustomed to that under the previous manager. But I thought there were signs of progress and you could see what Paolo Sergio was trying to do. I don't think we're getting anywhere at the moment with Craig Levine. I think we're going backwards. Part of me thinks that no matter what happens at Hamden, Craig Levine will still be in charge next season. Just with the comments that are made by him about planning and, and whatever, the fans wouldn't, I would say, not the fans, I'd say the majority of fans wouldn't accept that. So it comes down to season ticket sales and whether or not Anne Budge and the rest of those at, at Tynecastle, I don't know what the season ticket sales are. Maybe, maybe you know, I've got no idea whatsoever. Uh, right now, I can't imagine they'd be that great. Will they take a boost and a hit if we win the cup? Uh, I don't know. You'd like to think so. But if we don't win the cup, you're not going to get a queue at Tynecastle on the Sunday morning um, trying to buy season tickets. So the decision would, will need to be made in that if you, if you get rid of Craig Levine, and from his comments, I don't think he's going anywhere. 
Now, that may be me bravado. If I'm in his position, I'm not going to be talking about my position. I'm going to be talking about planning for next season. So, so I get that. But this is where we're in a different situation from most because we've got the fiddler playing the tune and calling the tunes. That's different mm-hmm. because he's, he's on the board. So as a director, he would have a vote about the manager, which is him. Now, he would also have a say as to what happens next. Now, it's his dream job. It's his aim to lead Hearts out at Hamden. He's done that. It's Well, he sorry, he will do that. It's his dream to win a cup with Hearts. I hope he can do that. But there's going to come a time where it's season ticket sales comparable with 12 months ago, 24 months ago, 36 months ago, and the like, compared with where they are when Hearts have to make a decision. And also, Laurie, getting rid of Craig Levine isn't the be-all and end-all for me. It's what happens next. Because if you go down the structure that Hearts have and promote from within, as a a purely Hearts fan, um, not with any connection to anybody, that wouldn't cut it for me. It, It has to be... It has to be a clean break from a system which was good. It was, it was it was new. It was something different when we set it up. But then Ian Cathro coming in kind of changed the landscape here. It moved the goalposts. So is isn't a kind of promote from within, promote from within. If it's a promote from within, that queue of fans at Tynecastle waiting for their season tickets will not materialise. Season tickets are low. Um, I don't have exact figures. I know they're low. Um, below what a lot of people would have anticipated, even with the current feeling. And I guess the problems with the finance partner um, have had an impact. But at the moment, they're pretty low, and that might well change. But you get the feeling from seeing messages from people and you know social media and talking to people that if Hearts lose the cup final, a lot of people might make that decision. And it's it's maybe fickle, uh, because you know it shouldn't be... Arts winning a cup shouldn't make your decision whether you're going to keep going and watching them. But, you know, a lot of fans are fickle. And a lot of fans, it's they're maybe not got the same commitment as ones who will keep going regardless of whether hearts are terrible or amazing or indifferent. So, I think and Budge and and regular fans have to be aware of that. That we, we do want as many fans coming back as possible because... You know, a few thousand fans can be a player. It can be a Stephen Naismith. It can be a, a, a maybe a new sign that we don't know about yet who could be great. So it's in, it's something we've got to keep an eye on. And Yeah, but a few thousand less fans, it should also be a message. Yes, and that's I think, it... I think a lot of people are... are I was, I was going to go into full joker. Um, it's, it's about sending a message. That, um, yeah. I'd rather you dark, 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 dark night. No, okay. Um, <laughs> anyway, yeah, I think a lot of them are trying to send a message. So maybe fans will, you know, give in and renew when it gets to later in the summer. But I think they're maybe trying to get the point across just now that they're unhappy. So they're not renewing right now when they've got the option to keep their seat. Um, probably under the un- the knowledge that they'll pretty much get a seat at some point if they want to in a couple of months. Because um, there's a malaise. There's yes. a malaise among the supporters. There's a malaise to the extent everyone's different. From my perspective, I can't go to games. I'm over here in, in Connecticut in the United States. I can't get to games, but I'm thankful that I have access 
to Hearts TV every week to watch the majority of games. I'll be honest, I had it on on Saturday. I was paying more attention to the English Premier League games that were on at the same time. And it was... wasn't in the background because it was on my computer which was right in front of me but I paid more attention to the TV now the equivalent of a heart season ticket holder in Scotland I think to that would simply be <sighs> I might go today I might not Saturday morning I'll make a decision and that, that's where season ticket holders are right now it could be they want to send a message it, I wouldn't be rushing to buy one and and that that says a lot right now so how do you get them to rush to buy them I don't think you do I think you have to demonstrate that there is a plan in place and it's not more of the same that's going to fill them with enthusiasm, not so much excitement, as to, to what, what the plan is going forward. Because right now, I'm not sure what it is. And if it was clarified as to what it is, here's what we, here's what we do. And to be perfectly fair to, to Anne Budge, as far as communication with supporters is concerned via social media, it's been outstanding, right? They've kept in touch. Now, some of the things that she's done haven't been liked by, by some closing sections of the stadium, but she has her reasons and she explains them. I don't know what, what goes on behind closed doors. However, if a plan is put in place to give the supporters some semblance of this is what we plan to do to get us back to where we think we're capable of getting to, I'd at least buy into that because I'd have an idea of well, the, the, they at least have have plans in place. Mm-hmm. Right now, I don't, I don't know what those plans are, and that's as frustrating for me, for any fan, as, as anything else. I'm going to go through another, maybe a slightly longer statement, not from myself this time. And give us, give us maybe 10 more minutes of the serious stuff, and we're going to have some, some light-hearted stuff to end with. So, you know, st- stick with it for now. Um David Gibson um, is a Hearts fan on Twitter. I, I don't know him personally. It was just a, a thread he'd posted about this season, which was quite interesting. It was getting a few retweets and a few responses. So I shared it on the Scarves Around the Funnel Twitter feed just to see it and basically asked, see below, what do people think? Do you agree? Do you disagree? How do you feel? Um, interestingly, David Gibson, I'm get, his Twitter handle is dgibson90. So I'm going to guess he's born in 1990. So he's in almost my category of a late 90s onwards type of Hearts fan who's used to success. So that's it's good to know that context. So David says, for, for Hearts, I honestly think this is one of the worst seasons I can remember, which is staggering when you think that we've been to a League Cup semi-final and we've had a Cup final still to come. The incredible start actually makes it worse, but let's be um, under no illusions that we flatter to deceive. The other top six teams were dropping points and we were consistent, but as soon as they settled and we got our injuries, the football totally regressed. I can't help think the training regime must be leaving players more susceptible to injury because the scale of the issues this season has been a nightmare. It undoubtedly binned us. But injuries are a cop-out. The football has been absolutely garbage. Even after our main men came back, we were still flat and totally reliant on Stephen Naismith dragging us through performances. Without uh, without we, him, we are like fish out of water with no ideas, no creativity, no drive. The fact we have lost to teams like Dundee, who are statistically one of the worst top flight teams in a generation, St Mirren, Hamilton, Livingston, in brackets 5 effing nil, is inexcusable. There are no mitigating circumstances to those results. It's just bad, bad football. An ever-changing team of full of passengers playing an eye-bleeding style of football has quite rightly led to fans to be angry. But worse than this, after near-constant anger, we're now starting to become desensitised, staying away from a silent stadium. 
At least when we were getting relegated or in the championship, the support was galvanised, but what's happening now is worrying. Um, he goes on to talk about fan base um, and being odds with Anne Budge, a little bit about um, Pyro, which I'm not going to get into too much, um, but I'm going to skip down to the last part. So I had Levine's back. I thought he was the man to steady the ship after the Cathro disaster, and I think he did that, but he needs to step, uh, take a step back now. He has become a, div- a divisive element at the club, and it's not doing us any favours. A Scottish Cup final is a decent send-off, an amazing one if we win it, but I don't think anyone actually believes that will happen. But more than this, the club and the fans need to get on the same page. What's going on right now isn't healthy, and it's going to push people away. I'll support Hearts all my days, but we didn't work so hard to save the club for this. Um, so, quite a lot in there. I'm not going to go into the pyro stuff because he mentions things about you know potentially looking at safer options for that, which I don't... I think behaviour that some of the fans and the pyro, I think that's a completely separate element to the overall malaise and feeling of the support. So I don't want to get bogged down into that too much. But um, a few responses. Billy Steben says, I feel like David. Um, Tenacious T says, we all feel like David. Uh, but then we also get the mix of some with Jimmy McDowell said he's either old with a bad memory or young. I think he's the latter, Jimmy. Compared to Archie White, Pat McShane, Bobby Masterton, etc., the team are world beaters. Um, but Andy Grant quickly responds to Jimmy saying, seriously, effing hate this statement. I really don't give an F about past heart sides. It's the future. Just because we've been shite before, we should just accept shite in the future. Is that what we're doing? What about aiming high? What if you're born in a crap place? Just accept it forevermore or do you try and improve? So I think there, Mark, you get that kind of feeling that we're talking about again with the, the two generations. But what I think... I like about David's statement. I don't agree with everything he says, and he's maybe a little harsh in certain areas. But this feeling, this this feeling, this malaise, and this separation between the club and the fans—that's a big problem. Whatever you think about, so I think if Anne Budge is sitting there, and I don't know Anne Budge, I don't know what she's thinking. But if she's sitting there and thinking, I'm not. I still feel Craig Levine might be the right man to take us forward. But surely she still has to think. Right, I'm sitting in the stadium. And it's it's like a morgue. All I can hear is the away fans. I hear boos halftime, and by midway through the second half against Rangers, thousands of empty seats. Season tickets aren't getting sold, and there's clearly this unhappiness. That surely has to be taken into account, even if maybe she does still feel personally that she maybe feels that Craig Levine could turn this around, because obviously her view is going to maybe be slightly skewed, because we know that Craig Levine and Anne Budge are very close. Yeah. And if Craig Levine is given time and does turn it around, he'll probably do so in front of a four-figure crowd to start with. Because right now, with season ticket sales, as you suggest, being pretty low, if it's more of the same, then you're not going to get your walk-up crowd. You're not going to get people going to the football. Success breeds success. But on the other hand, defeat, disappointment, a lack of progress, no signs of um, a positive future. There's this malaise that I was talking about. R- right now, it's a, it's a support that's, that's split to an extent. Um, and, and for that, I, I, I listened to your, um, your, your reading the David Gibson comments and some of the responses that, that were for them and some were against them. So it, it is split. 
I think David's first sentence sums it up. I honestly think this is one of the worst seasons I can remember. And it, looking at David again, he's probably not remembered that many poor seasons. The other thing is, or two things. One, if Hearts hadn't had the start of the season that they had, when expectations were maybe falsely at a, a, a or the bar was set at a too high a level, uh, would it be that different? Um, it, there'd still be frustration, but there wouldn't be that, yeah, but look where we were at the start of the season. That would have be out of the equation. The second thing that's frustrating is the last few episodes of this podcast before the turn of the year. I was like a broken record. I just couldn't find anything positive to say. Can't wait for the new year. Looking at the fixtures, Scottish Cup, um, good fixtures, real chance with everybody back, Uche coming back, Suter coming back, Naismith coming back. There was a lot of positivity in the future. It never materialised. And, and that's the problem. So we've underperformed, but the setup at Tynecastle, the current setup, makes it very difficult to do what others could just do and say, you know what, that hasn't worked, let's change it. So there's there's a lot of a lot of chat to be held behind closed doors here, and I'll be intrigued to see what plans they come up with. Because Anne Budge, bottom line, is a businesswoman. She's in it to make money. Fergus McCann had a plan for Celtic. He says, I'm only going to be here for this number of years. I'm going to spend this number of money or this amount of money, and I'm going to walk away. You'll be in a better place, and I'll be richer. That's what business people do. And Budge is a very successful businesswoman. Whoever, uh, however. She's got to where she is by delegating to people who know best. Now, at the start, she thought that Craig Levine knew best, which he, he knew better than her. But I've got no problem with that. But the structure that was allowed to be put in place then, you could, you could have seen it at the time. Because when things are going well, it's not a discussion. But there has to come a point down the line where every football manager ultimately gets the sack. So when this negativity way back at the start, when this negativity would eventually come, did, did she have a plan in place back then for what happens now? We will find out. A few others uh, came back, and it's Simi says that David captured absolutely everything and every single feeling the fans have right now. The silence from the likes of Budge about our poor form is deafening. It needs to be addressed now. It should have been addressed when we got filleted from Livingston. Uh, I, I mean, I don't think... We need to hear from Anne on the football because it's not her side. But I guess one of one of my concerns is, I mean, for instance, after the Kamarnik game, Craig Levine d- basically said there wasn't a whole lot wrong, which to me is more worrying than if you said, "Look, we were terrible today. I'm, I need to I need to address that. We need to work on a lot of things, not just in the cup final, but before the cup final, because I thought we were terrible from start to finish. I thought both teams were terrible second half, but first half Kamarnik at least played a bit of football, so. By that account, they probably should have edged the game. They did. But the fact that he doesn't even seem to acknowledge the fans' frustrations or how bad things are on the pitch, that that can be frustrating. Of course it can, because he's talking about something we're not seeing. Or he's suggesting something hasn't happened when it has, like a good performance. That, That BBC article with the quote right at the start of this podcast that we gave, Hearts still have, quote, one big performance, one more big performance in them, believes manager Craig Levine ahead of the Scottish Cup with Celtic. This shouldn't be about getting yourself up for a specific game. This should be a standard that's set and it's maintained. It's frustrating when... I I don't have any skin in the game whatsoever with Liverpool. 
or Man City. I love this title race. I was, I was, I was on the edge of my seat yesterday watching Liverpool Barcelona. I loved it. I saw passion. I saw players playing above their themselves, not giving up. And then you see Hearts, and I'm not talking about skill levels or whatever. I'm not comparing the two because it's impossible to compare. But while not being able to compare, uh, compare skill levels, I can compare hunger. I can compare enthusiasm. I can compare work rate. And I don't see a lot of that from, from Hearts. I, I think right now we're, we're a team of individuals that are lacking guidance. And that comes from the top. And Craig Levine's had a full season. He had most of last season. I don't see, what was it we spoke about two weeks ago when you're you're sitting down in a meeting with your boss trying to justify why you should stay in, in your role. What have you done? Okay, I've done this, this and this. Fine, you can stay and we'll maybe promote you. I don't know what Craig Levine can point to by way of improvement during his time in charge as far as on the field is concerned, with the exception of this season reaching a semi-final of a cup and a final of the cup. Ultimately, I don't think that's good enough. Okay, we had a few more messages which we, we could have got to, so my apologies if you if you got in touch and we didn't go um, over what you said, but I think we'll probably have to move on because it's just getting a bit, it's just getting a bit grim, isn't it? Um, so we need something light-hearted to, to, cheer, to cheer us up a little bit and hopefully cheer you up. So last week, Mark and I incoherently put some homework to you. Um, we stumbled over a topic which was then and now. Um, basically, you know, what are players doing with themselves these days or maybe coaches and have you bumped into them post-hearts and, and how, how was it, etc. So... We had some messages, and I'm going to go through a few of these, and let's hope that um, it'll cheer us up a little. Uh, Jimmy McDowell said uh, he went to the post office in, um, is it Coal Town of, of Balgoni, outside Glen yeah. Is that right? Yeah. Uh-huh. In, in the mid-80s, I don't know where that is, uh, mid-80s, and the, the clerk was none other than Willie Gibson, striker from 72 to 79. I'd like to, if that is the, the wrong pronunciation... I saw that um, signpost every single day for a year and a bit when I was at Glenrothes College uh, after leaving school. I always thought it was Coal Town of Balgoni. Maybe it's Balgarni. I don't know. But yes, it's in Fife and it's off the A92, I believe. <laughs> it's it's one of those um, uh, Milngavi moments, isn't it? Or... It's Mulgai, darling, Mulgai. <laughs> or um, what's what's one I got caught out with a few years ago? Uh, Kirkudbury or Kirkudbright, as I looked at it on the map and wondered what the hell it was. Okay, are are you uh, or maybe you're too young for this? Back in the day, there was a there were there was a split camp. It was a very split society. Was okay. it John Mingus or was it John Menzies? Mingus or Menzies? What is it? Latter. But but this this goes to the my other half is uh, from Aberdeenshire and often mocks me for for instance commentating on Celtic attacker Scott Sinclair, which is, in my eyes, always the correct pronunciation of that name. Uh, however, up north, they call it Sinclair. She's like, what are you on oh. about? Sinclair. It's Sinclair. The former Chancellor of the Exchequer was Norman Lamont. Lamont! And the, the former Aloha <laughs> boss was Billy, or Falkirk boss was Billy Lamont, the goalkeeper. That's another one she doesn't like as well. Is And there's... there's um, for instance, my often co-commentator, uh, Andrew Petrie, but up north it's Petrie. But anyway, Christ, we're go- 
we're doing tangents today. Dave Lawson says, was over in Lee for our friendly against that Romanian team just a few years back um, as we went into admin and met Neil Pointer outside the main stadium. Had a right good chat with him. He still follows uh, what the team are up to and is doing his bits and pieces on the sports front. Also, over the same weekend, we played another team on a Sunday. I had my grandson with me. He wore the Argentine-looking away top that had already agreed with Callum Patterson for him to meet his namesake, Sam Nicholson, who got the whole squad to sign it. Happy lad. Oh, so it's a nice story a nice there. Um, Ian uh, Lobin says, didn't deal with him personally when I was buying my flat. He's, he's, he's French. It's Lobin. 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 <laughs> but I discovered a certain Gary Wales working for the estate agent we used. There you go. I didn't realise that Gary did that in his in his later years. No, I didn't. I, I didn't know either. Do you know what's what's nice to 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 read and to hear is the affection a lot of former players have for Hearts, even if yeah. they only spent a couple of years. Stephen Elliott's one. He, he loved his time there. Craig Beatty as well. <laughs> I think I think I think that's great. How they 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 a lot of them have got good memories, but just the way they they enjoyed being at Hearts and they still talk about it. One of my favourite social media posts. Um, in recent times with Stephen Elliott videoing himself and Austin McCann in, <gasps> in tuxedos, I think, singing the heart song um, after a oh, few drinks, uh, which oh, was which was most entertaining. That that goal, that goal, uh, oh. doesn't matter what, what age I get, it's still fresh in the mind. Just with our commentary position in the old main stand, you know it well, at Tyne Castle, right behind that, uh, Austin McCann has put a stamp on a passport that takes hearts to Europe. Meanwhile, Peter Martin's beside me commentating for Super Scoreboard, being a big Celtic man himself, Peter Martin Maguire. Um, and his face is tripping him, and it's, it wasn't quite a get it right up you, but it was a, it was a smart. <laughs> and then the, the Jose Kitongo, because he's Angolan, and if it's, if it's the Portuguese aspect, it's Jose Kitongo, or Jose oh, Kitongo. Don't, if he's not. Just, <laughs> don't just get on this again. Catch 20. Language on. in Angola. <laughs> Portuguese, it's Jose Kitongo. We've yeah. been saying that wrong all the years. Oh, I know. Well, on, on Kitongo, Catch22 says, I sent off Kitongo in a charity match um, when he was with the Hearts. <laughs> That's seamless. Seamless. When the Hearts legends were at least 12 goals up, he went mental and his language was atrocious. But he came into the ref's dressing room and signed my red card after the match. Born winner and complete <laughs> legend in my eyes. Could still play now. I do love that competitiveness that it often doesn't leave ex-pros and you see it if you ever watch the hearts legends i can't i watched one of their games um with um, my pal jimmy sanderson and the likes playing and they were getting right in you know into tackles and they were against the fans team as well and there was a lot of heated moments and i quite like that as well you know that and i think the fans would as well if i was playing against them you'd want them to to take it seriously you know you wouldn't want them to just have a have a piss take even though it does mean that they'll probably walk all over you probably Probably. I think it's important to tie a bow around the Portuguese pronunciation of our José Quitongo <laughs> and our José uh-huh. Gonçalves, because it depends which one of the six Bantu languages of Portuguese oh, that Christ that player sake. is used to. Is it Umbundu, Kimbundu, Kikongo, okay. Chokwe, Kwanyama, also called Oshikwanyama, or Nganguela? <laughs> so we have to know one of the six Bantu languages to decide if it is a je. A je or a g. There you go. Willie Gibson in the post office. What language do they speak there? <laughs> Richard Cobb actually re- responded to the Gary Wales one saying, had his name on the back of an area top, oh dear, back in the day, until someone ripped off the W at football practice and it just said Ails 15. <laughs> Ails. Love it. And that, that reminds me of when I 
lived somewhere where we had a shared laundry room and I had my Stamp 8 shirt, um, the uh, Reebok, I like that one, the Reebok one in 2002-2003 and mysteriously the T and the M came off so I had Sap 8 on the back of my of my shirt which um, i'm just i'm just thinking about phil stamp i mean uh chance shot goal the the antic ball through and then the sending off at easter road but then the subsequent trashing of the flat i believe happened <laughs> as well Gaza and, and five bellies whatever yeah say. yeah and and look far far be it from me to say being slightly uh, not slightly at all oversized uh but the then and now Stampy must be some size right now because he was always someone that looked like he needed the training. And and just on the back of the jersey, you'd want to kind of include the word everything underneath eight. Wouldn't you? Yes. There you go. Yeah. A little bit of, a little bit of thought process went in. The three seconds of... You're like, where? Stamp, stamp <laughs> eight, everything. Wow, Tumbleweed. More. I had that last week too. There was that great story about Stamp um, on the train and he got a beer from someone. I think, that, did we not read that out on one of the shows? And yeah. It turned out he was a trialist uh, with Darlington or something that weekend. He was having a beer on the way to the game with someone on the train, which sounds like Phil Stamp. Um, can, can, I, can I give homework based on that? Okay, go week, on. Which yes, is a lot more simple. Go. It's yeah. quite simply... Your cult hero mm-hmm. at heart. Simple. I like no that. more. Not 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 a five minute trying to explain what the hell the homework was like last week. Quite simply, who's your cult hero at heart and why? Cool. I like that. That's good. Simple. Right to the point. Um, yep. Anne Waddle says. It makes met... a change for me. It does. It does. Anne says I met Henry Smith at an Orwell Supporters Club. Uh, not long after Hearts won the Scottish Cup in 2012. Uh, also met Rudy a couple of times, as well as most of the championship side in the last day of the season, as Robbo, <laughs> and well as Robbo, Crabbo, and some of the legends. Um, I've got a story for you. I have to tell, I have to tell it quickly. It's to do with Henry Smith. Okay. You ready? Yep. Used to be at Top 107 before I came mm-hmm. over here, um, before many things. So we used to have Friday night football, and every week we had a topic. Footballers you might find in dot dot dot. Okay. So one of the weeks it was footballers you might find in the kitchen. So Les Fridge, very good. That was when Henry was on. Um, he came up with that one. I can't remember who was on the next again week because we had a lot of ex Hearts and ex Hibs players: Mickey Weir, Joe Tortolano, Keith Wright, uh, Henry Smith, Alan McLaren, all super kids, super great to work with. So one week we had f- footballers you might find in the bedroom. Okay. <laughs> This was fine. I know, that's dangerous. I have to be careful here. <laughs> so before I get to that, we also had festive footballers one year. Apparently, there's a festive, there's a footballer in China called Wang Dong, right? So I came up with Wang Dong Merrily on High. And I thought that was quite clever. There's a Suck Dong as well. Stop! Stop! <laughs> that, that could be football. Well, if you'd, if you'd been listening at the time, you could have entered that into footballers you might find in the bedroom. So, <laughs> so someone, someone just suggested Frank McAvenny full stop. That's that's quite good. So some naughty little person messaged in at the time. It wouldn't have been tweeting because Twitter just started. They texted in, I think. And they put Linus Pillow Biter. Oh, now, I, I didn't know what I, 
I know now. I had no idea, right? So I, I read this out. And honestly, and now, I don't think it was Henry, because I don't think Henry would have got that. It must have been one of the younger Hearts or Hibs former players. The stu- Tom Miller was there, I remember that. But the studio just burst into to laugh, and they all started tearing themselves up, and they had to leave the studio. I had no idea what was going on. So I had to say, look, I've just explained this. No one's left in the studio. They've all gone out in tears. Because they, they didn't, they, they couldn't believe I'd read it out on air. So someone saying Linus Pillow, but now I know. So Linus Pillabatis was a footballer you would find in, in the in the in the bedroom, um, which some little cheeky scally changed to Linus Pillowbiter. Do you want to explain? No. Not, not in this. No, there's children who listen, I think. I hope there's not, I hope there's not actually children who listen, because some of the stuff we talk about is not. I'll give you, I'll give you one, one disclaimer from here. If you are Googling Pillowbiter, <laughs> don't do it on a work computer. There you um, go. There's your free advice from me for today. Did you ever hear the BBC, I think it was Belfast, um, show when they were talking about Jimmy Savile and they accidentally read out... Uh, did you hear that one? No, I don't know where it's going now. Should I play it? I'll play it. A few of your texts coming in here um, this morning. Uh, an alternative view on the uh, Jimmy Savile story. Um, this texture says, I wish everyone would stop criticising Jimmy Savile. He was a nice man. When I was eight, he fixed it for me to milk a cow blindfolded. That's a strange one. Mm. And actually, on the point of texts and tweets, um, unfortunately, earlier in the programme, I was the victim of a prank text about Jimmy Savile, which I mistakenly read out rather naively. I, I'm very sorry if I've uh, caused any offence, but uh, apologies, it was a genuine mistake. Anyway, <laughs> Mark doesn't know what I've just played, so it, he'll, he'll hear it. When the, the, this gets put in in post-production, because that sounds really like we're professional, but we're I know, not really. I know, I um, know. Do you know this, this is slight tangent, but you're just talking about certain player names. There's one player who, I'm a big football manager um, geek, I love football manager, and there's a player that I found in that game once who's a real player, and I was very disappointed, never played for Hearts, because he's now retired. A left back um, of Zimbabwean descent who played for Kaiser Chiefs in South Africa. His name, Jimmy Jambo. Oh. Could you imagine? Is it? That's phenomenal. Imagine having Jambo in the back of your jersey. Is, I think Jambo, Jambo is like a greeting in, in one of the African languages, I believe. You you may well be right. Maybe it's Zimbabwe. Do they, is there a Zimbabwean-specific language? I actually don't know. It's Swahili. Jambo is, it, is, it, okay. is a Swahili greeting. Okay. Uh, it's similar in meaning to the English word hello. There you go. It's usually followed by an exclamation mark. So there you go. Okay. You're welcome. Excellent. Um, I'll, I'll quickly go through some more of these. Um, Lorraine Wiseman, who I like her Twitter name because it has Wiseman with a one five. Yeah, one. I get that. You see what you're doing Very there. Very good. Um, she says, I bought my flat from Vladimir Romanov, which I, I'd like to know more about that. It's interesting. I mean, maybe it was a, I don't know if it was maybe a flat the club had for players or, or, or something. Or maybe it was his, was it his flat? Jimmy McDowell adds that he worked in Gary McSwagan's house when he was with Hearts. Managed to get a Jambo mate to fit his alarm two days before Christmas as his wife was panicking about it. If I'd known what an ungrateful prick he was, I wouldn't have bothered. (laughs) Oh, and his three-year-old son could swear for Scotland. I just liked when it suddenly went a whole different way towards the end of that. Yeah, a a bit like while talking names... 
you get a BBC breaking news tweet in the middle of doing a podcast that says Prince Harry and Meghan name their son Archie Harrison Mountbatten Windsor. Get that in the back of a heart jersey, son. <laughs> that puts uh, Jan Venegor of Hesselink to shame. Kay says, still enjoy the memory of bumping into Robbo in the Citrus Club on the evening of the 19th of May, <laughs> 2012. I usually always remembered going into the Citrus Club. I very rarely remembered coming out of the Citrus Club. <laughs> yes, when you know you've had a good night. Um, oh, and while we're at it, I got, a, I got a message last night from the aforementioned John Robertson. Ah, okay. I was doing um, talk sport last night, and <laughs> I said I was coming back for the cup final and that Hearts would be lucky to get nil. And my phone went in the middle of this. We will win the cup. I'm listening. <laughs> so I, I messaged him back, congratulate because he was obviously on his way home, having driven back from air with the team, and then he was probably in the car listening to talk sport. And then I got a thumbs up, keep the faith. So Robbo believes. Does that mean we should as well? Probably. Um, from from one Hearts Cup winner to another, G says, played against Colin Cameron in an over 35s tournament. He tore me a new one, but what a pleasure <laughs> it was. Hashtag legend. Um, Thomas Crook, um, who is Watson Brown, if anyone wants to know, said, I once sold Scott Severin a replacement car aerial fact. He ends it with the um, Rafa Benitez fact. So you know, you know it must be true. You know that obviously happened if you add fact to the end of it. Scott Severin's no longer, no longer playing. Scott Severin's no, no, a massive. Works off. Yeah, yeah, he's a massive Celtic fan as well. Oh, okay. Well, always post, always posting about the Celtic on oh, social media. That's that's wonderful. I know. Billy Steedman says I once offered jo- uh, John Cumming directions to taxis in New Mains. Hashtag may have told this ditty before. New Mains is is rough as hell. We used to do. The A71 to Kilmarnock on Pennycook Hearts, <coughs> excuse me, when we went down there. And we went by Loudon Golf Club, which I believe might be the only golf club that spells its name G-O-W-F, Loudon Golf Club. When you're looking up Pillow Biter, you can look up that as well. You can do that on a work computer. Don't do the other one. Um, but New, New Milnes was, it's, it's probably about what, 10 miles outside Killy. It's junior football territory. And we always went upstairs in the pub, played pool and, and whatever. But very, very hospitable, um, very complimentary and everything like that. But wouldn't want to stay there. She was. The 30 is not a maximum speed limit. It's a bloody minimum speed limit in that place. <laughs> Claire uh, says she met Gilles Rousset when he came to visit her in hospital a few times. He found me at the end of the 98 Cup final and gave me his jersey. Absolute gent. Wow. Impressive. That is, and uh, Gio's always struck me as someone who was a was a gentleman. He's he's up there in the discussion of the the nicest people in the world award. Uh, Ian Buckle says I've been lucky to meet Henry Smith as we are both posties, and also in my line of work I bump into Scott Crab a lot driving BMWs etc. Still heroes of mine, and I also deliver to Morgaro Gomez uh, Morgaro Gomez daily. Who's just been emptied by Dundee United? Yes, very strangely. Before I didn't couldn't understand it at all. Before the playoffs, why would you? Anyway, uh, that's we're not going to get into that because we'll we'll go off on another tangent. And finally, Lynn says Drew Busby picked me up on the way to training, nineteen seventy eight, and showed me around Tynecastle. I've kept in touch with him for over forty years. He runs a pub oh. in Dumbarton now. Hard as nails on the pitch, gentleman, off it. And that's always yeah. a, that's always good to hear. 
I love hearing stories about that. Donald Ford's now a very successful photographer. Drew Busby, obviously, in Dunbarn, a publican. Yeah, nice. I like that. I like, I like the, the old school um, successful and enjoying life. Good on them. Every day's a school day, and every week is a school week on Scarves Around the Funnel. Your homework from the Scarves Around the Funnel classroom is just your, your cult heroes, your favourites. Um, no, well, not your favourites, but your cult favourites. So let's not get the obvious ones. Maybe the players that weren't the best, but you had a real soft spot for and why. So give us those and we'll talk about them next week. We're not even going to speak about the Aberdeen game because I'm not going. You're going to Rome. We don't care. Um <laughs> We'll, we'll we'll talk about something next week, I'm sure. Won't we? Maybe. Let's listen to that awesome McCann goal again, and we'll see you next time. Andy Kirk's got a chance on the break for Hearts. Here's Scott Severin, Phil Stamp on the far side. Can Severin score him? He's on the left-hand side now. The three ball to Austin McCann. Austin McCann goes for shot! Oh! Austin McCann! What a goal! Austin McCann has scored the goal of a lifetime! Austin McCann has perhaps had the Rangers the title and Austin McCann has perhaps put a stamp on a passport that takes hearts into Europe.